When it comes to making Christmas music, many artists are content with covering the songs they grew up with, but that wasn't enough for 1980s pop sensation Wham! The duo, consisting of George Michael and Andrew Ridgely, were visiting Michael's parents in 1984, when Michael took some time in his childhood bedroom to write the introduction and chorus to a Christmas song, which he then played for Ridgely. Ridgely called the experience, quote, a moment of wonder. They took to the studio in August of that year, where uh, George Michael created the instrumental track entirely on his own, writing the music, playing the instruments, and producing the track, with originally providing vocals. The end result would go on to become the 10th best-selling Christmas single of all time, and the inspiration for the December game of Whamageddon based itself on the Little Drummer Boy Challenge, wherein participants must attempt to make it through the entire month of December without hearing this song. That's right, we're talking Wham's Last Christmas on Cover Me. That's right, it's Cover Me, the only podcast that talks about famous songs and their many cover versions and compares them against one another to find out which one we'll give to someone special. I'm your host as always, Jake Cressy, joined by a person who saves me from tears. Alex Mildenberger. Alex Mildenberger. Burger. It's, it's Christmas Eve here in the future. Merry Christmas. How are you? From the past. I am back here in mid-December. Mm. Um, what what a great place to be. It's cold, but uh, I'm, you know, almost going to take some time off from work, so. Oh, yeah, that's nice, right. You got nice some little vacation. Fuck yeah, buddy. Um, all I do out here is argue with Vancouverites that it's not cold out. How cold is it? It's not cold, Alex. Uh, it's probably like six degrees right now. Six degrees Celsius? Yes. That's, um, that's not bad not bad at all but that could be that could be much worse although it's is it different because it's humid that's is what the they say they're different? like oh it's a it's a it's a cold it's a wet cold i'm like that's not real it's fucking liars i don't know what to say man yeah it's nothing i haven't said before they were talking about last christmas we sure Grim are smith <laughs> let me try that. we're talking about last christmas by wham song by wham um, Alex, we're talking about a, a 1980s classic instead of a song from the 40s this year. Yes, because we wanted to do a pop Christmas song. It's got to be popular. Mm. And for whatever reason, um, there haven't been a lot of, like, real cultural touchstone Christmas pop songs since, like, 94 mm-hmm. with All I you Want for Christmas is years. You. So... And but what happened in 2014? Where's my 2014 uh, and my you know and your 2004, 2004 cultural touchstone pop Christmas song? When did the Grinch come out? Well, uh, it's 2001, I want to say. Okay. I'm pretty sure the Grinch is. I want to say it's 2001. Uh, the Grinch, uh, not the see, Jim Carrey Grinch. The Grinch, yeah, the Jim Carrey Grinch. Because I don't now. It's always like, oh, you mean the 2018 Grinch? I'm like, no, god damn it. <laughs> yeah, but 2000. 2001? 2000. Yeah, I don't know how. Yeah, 2000. Like, I don't know how iconic any of the music in that is. Well, I'll tell you this, Alex. One of the tracks from the the How the Grinch Stole Christmas in the year 2000 is the the Faith Hill song. Sixth, yeah, the Faith Hill song "Where Are You Christmas," which is the sixth best-selling Christmas single of all time, Alex. Well, 
you know, I'd I'd put money, I'd put money on the number one best-selling Christmas single of all time being "All I Want for Christmas Is You," because I just am good at predicting things. Hey, Alex, you got that right. What? Uh, <laughs> you did. I, I'm I'm impressed, Alex. It's it's almost as if you knew that. It's almost but as if yeah, I, I bet you can't tell me the number impressed. two best-selling. No, I happen Christmas to single. know the number two, but mm, I think I might. I'm having a little bit of trouble recalling it. Uh, do you have any hints? Like maybe? Uh, sh- sure. Yeah. Like who's who would sing it? Maybe that's too much of a of a hint. Okay, it's it's you know it's a bit of an odd clue, but the uh, the artist for this one is listed as Kristen Bell. Famous actress Kristen Bell is listed as that's the correct in this song. That's right. That Wild. Mu- that must mean it's from the popular disney film frozen oh that's a good guess alex could you guess uh which which song from frozen it is um well if i had to guess obviously it's not let it go because if it was let it go christian bell wouldn't be listed as the artist let me tell you alex uh, a real frozen fan he knows which, the facts which means logically the the most likely song it would be would be do you want to build a snowman Oh my God, Alex! You got it. You're two for two. I'm just putting. I'm just putting clues together. You're fucking great, at this, Alex. <laughs> now tell me, what's number three? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> the Faith Hill song. No, that was like six. No, was it was number it? six. Okay. Uh, do you have a clue for that one? <laughs> um. Yeah. The uh the artist was later credited as being the Trans Siberian Orchestra. Oh shit! Yes, I don't remember the name of the song. Yeah, it's a it's a long one. It's Christmas Eve slash Sarah Havo twelve twenty four. All right, so there's lots of them. What are the other ones? Uh, number four we got Mistletoe by Justin Bieber. Number five is Rocking Around the Christmas Tree by Brenda Lee. Um, number seven we got the Christmas Cannon by the Trans Siberian Orchestra. Number eight is Feliz Navidad by Jose Feliciano, and number nine is Jingle Bell Rock by Bobby Helms. And Santa Claus goes straight to the ghetto is not on that list. Um, it might be on the physical uh, singles. Okay. No, no, we got Blue Christmas slash Santa Claus is Back in Town by Elvis Presley for uh, the uh, number one physical single for Christmas songs. No James Brown, eh? No James Brown. No James Brown. All right. Well, in any case, we're talking about the last song in the top ten. Last now, Alex, what was your relationship with this song pre-listening to it on for this episode? All I knew was there was like one year where my sister was really into it. And that was, was she into the it. Wham version or was she into the Good Charlotte version? The Wham version. Okay, all right. I, I don't know if she was too specific though. Right, she'd just take she'd yeah. take whoever was giving her that last Christmas hit. Yeah. What about you? Were you just too busy trying to pass the Whamageddon challenge? It's you know I was just too busy like, just not like getting to choose which Christmas music I listen to because anytime my family let me get my hands on that it was time for the Jethro Tull Christmas album so. Oh yeah. So yeah, it's like I was always loosely aware of this one, and I'd like I'd heard people being like, "Oh, it's so annoying. They play it all the time," but I would only hear it like a couple times a year, and I was like, "That's yeah, kind of catchy." <laughs> and it is a catchy Bob song, but it mm-hmm. also sounds very Christmassy. Mm-hmm. It kind of has two sides to it, where there's, and there's a quote on this, I believe you had somewhere, but um, uh, yes, basically, it's kind of cheery in terms of the instrumentation, but the lyrics make it very melancholy. Yes, the the quote you're referring to is by uh, sound engineer Chris Porter, 
who was in the, the booth at the time of recording, he says, you've got the happiness of the rhythm track, but against that, you've got the sadness of the unrequited love. So that's, exa- that's pretty much exactly what you said, Alex. Let's talk about that rhythm track. Let's talk about that rhythm track, because it is very... I mean, Wham! is just the two guys. Um, Andrew Ridgely and, and, and someone else, I think. Uh, <laughs> this, this, this George Michael George character? Michael. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's like the, the rhythm itself is, like, is kind of like a synthesizer playing like just the chords and it's pretty yeah like it's pretty quick it's pretty staccato you know so it's not yeah. this like drawn out like longing melancholy violin sound or something like that like you know what i'm talking about yeah it's very like just like it keeps things like upbeat because it never stops for these long fills yeah and uh and then pretty basic drums like percussion um other than that straightforward mhm and then and we get sort of uh so we get these sort of uh instrumental fills between the the chorus and the next verse and that's where you get this almost like handbell sounding synth yeah that's kind of the other main synthesizer that plays its little like do 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 like solo thing mhm uh, and it really does sound like bells but I think yeah, there's probably like some DX7s uh, kicking around at this point, which yeah, is yeah, uh, it's uh, the the Wikipedia page actually was pretty clear on what instruments he used. I just usually attribute things in the mid '80s to DX7s because I think yeah, very so popular. he's got a, a Lin 9000 drum machine, a Roland Juno 60 synth, oh, and Juno. sleigh bells. Okay. It was a Juno. What, do you, what can you tell me about a Juno, Alex? I don't know much about it, but I've seen the name Juno around. There's a few Junos. It's just a okay. One of Roland's like synthesizer brands. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. So that's what's making this backing track, and it's uh, it plays behind George Michael doing uh, a pretty you know it's a catchy melody section that uh is you know it's like a narrow melody, so it's not necessarily difficult to sing, but that allows him to just kind of be a big pop singer about it and and really yeah, do some like runs and stuff and lets us sing yeah. along really easily. Yeah. So it allows a, a good singer to be very good and bad singers to seem good. Yeah. To be fine. And like everyone mm-hmm. just has a good time. Yeah. Which I think is true of a lot of Christmas carols as well. Like catchy things. Mm-hmm. So you can just... Yeah, and so while the uh, while the the rhythm tracks pretty much stays stable throughout, like it never goes like kind of big and heavy. It just it maintains a steady rhythm and melody. Right. The the vocal performance is what kind of builds throughout because you know on the last one that he's he's wailing last Christmas while Andrew Ridgely's singing either the chorus or the last verse. Yeah, there's kind of like two parts at the end where they talk about. I mean, they kind of redo the fourth verse. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of a... Sh- like, I was surprised at how many verses were in this. Yeah. In this song. Um, you, you mentioned in the, uh, in the White Winter Hymnal episode how, like, a, a, a key signature of Christmas songs 
is like finding out, like grabbing the sheet music and finding out there's like eight verses <laughs> <laughs> and everybody only knows one. And that's like, that's what I thought when I pulled up the genius page. For this. I was like, Jesus Christ, I don't remember like any of these lines besides the first verse. Yeah. It's so weird that you can hear a song like 20 times going to the mall once and like still not really know what they say. Yeah. It's, it, the melody is pretty strong though. Like it's a very solid melody. So you can just kind of hum along. And still feel mm-hmm. like you're part of something. So that's probably another part of it. Yeah, it's just like they made an easy to hum along to song that can get caught in your head. And it's that's how you make a Christmas hit, man. Yeah. All right. That's the formula. Let's do it. Let's, yeah, I got it written down here. Formula. <laughs> Melody. Good. Melody. Good. Underlined. Vocals? Good, but Vocals, not too good. Question mark? Uh, yeah and the instrumentation is pretty simple so that's pretty much it Mm -hmm. so with that let's talk about the uh lyrics which of course start with an ah aha ooh, oh 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 and then the chorus which is really the iconic part of the song in terms of the melody and in terms of the the words themselves Mm -hmm. last christmas i gave you my heart but the very next day, you gave it away, which is kind of playing off the Christmas tradition of gift giving. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because that is like an expression people would use just like regularly. Yeah, like, not like for you Christmas. You can find song. that in another song, but using it here really makes it shine because of yeah. that Christmas context. Kind of gives it another level and just makes it feel kind of Christmassy. Mm-hmm. Without being like last Christmas under the Christmas tree. Yeah. Uh, My heart was know. wrapped in paper with a yeah. tie on top. You opened it up with your elbows and teeth. <laughs> exactly. Like it, you don't have to push this like Christmas imagery for us to get the point. You, yeah. Last Christmas I gave you my heart. You're like Christmas gift giving. This happened last Christmas. We already get this concept of nostalgia. It's all there. established. Yes. It, it's a good setup line. And then this year, to save me from tears, I'll give it to someone special. She's a, a just a cool diss. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, <laughs> you're not special. You're just somebody. <laughs> Might just be upset too. The other thing I yeah. kind of like about these lines is that, like the f- middle two, the rhyme is like internal. Mm. So internal rhymes always fun. Uh, yeah. This day you gave it away. This year save you from tears, and then just like something else. Mm-hmm. Um, which is I don't know how common that structure is. I feel like we haven't talked about it yet. Yeah, it's certainly not something we've mentioned before. It's, uh, yeah, and it's kind of interesting because you don't, I don't know if it's just to, like, to stop yourself from having to rhyme the first and last line because we get, like, distracted by the internal rhymes. We're like, well, those two resolved, so now it's a new Yeah, you a just, new like, segment. move on to the next thing. Um, and then they repeat it. They sing the whole thing mm-hmm. again. Uh, then, but on the second time, it gets some echoes. That's true. There's some more backup vocals, but mm-hmm. other than, but it's pretty much the same. Other than that, um, I think there might be like more jingle bells or something. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, I would say that's probably right. <laughs> There's lots of jingle bells um, in this song. It's hard to keep track of all the jingle bells, man. I know we haven't been covering Christmas songs every week, but it 
we sort of have been. So, mm-hmm. if not originally Christmas songs, there's always been like Christmas covers of them. Well, except for I know there's an answer, but those uh, those Christmas in July and December. What, what can you do? Oh yes, of course, of course. Um, so that's the like that's the the chorus. It really just tells that. It, it gives you the background information. Like, it's pretty succinct. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's four lines, and it's like, this is what happened before, and this is what's happening now. So, like, Yeah, boom, and that's, boom, why, boom. that's why it meets that, like, Christmas carol tradition of, like, you really only need that to understand what's going on, and then all these, like, ten verses afterwards are just, like, kind of there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they do get into the first verse. Um, mm-hmm. Once bitten. Once bitten, I should say, because that is mm-hmm. proper enunciation, even though that is not what I would normally say, because I pronounce apparently T's like D's. Once mm. bitten. Once bitten. Bitten. Uh, twice shy, which is a, a pretty common phrase, just meaning something happened before, which made me, which didn't go well, and now I'm, you know, don't want um, to try you know, it again. Cautious, nervous, hesitant. Yeah, yeah. Shy, if you will. Um, yeah. I keep my distance, but you still catch my eye. Tell me, baby, do you recognize me? It's been a year. It doesn't surprise me. Which I think those last two lines are kind of interesting because it it puts him in this like place where he's kind of in his own head and he sees this person. He he's obviously nervous about talking to them again because they have a history. Mm-hmm. And then he's he's got these questions. He wants to know the answer, but it seems to me that he's not actually asking them because he's saying he's keeping his distance. So, but right. he's answering them for himself, which is sort of, you know, not healthy necessarily. He's just kind of wrapped up in his own thoughts, and mm-hmm. and making these assumptions like, ah, oh, they probably don't remember me. Yeah, it's like ah, oh, it was so long ago for them. And then, but like this idea that he's. You know, he's wary, but he's still attracted to this person, even though he just earlier said they're not special. Yeah. At least implied it. Shown as sort of true colors, which does come Mm -hmm. up again in the second verse, which is linked to the first verse because they're back to back. So I don't know if you'd even call it two verses. Yeah, it's just really just like two stanzas, isn't it? It seems like that. I don't know what would separate them because sometimes we do have songs where it's like, Verse one, verse two, back to back, chorus, and then like verse three, chorus, verse four, or something like that. So you can see, oh, the structure of the chorus is half of this first section. Right. And but I these are always of, together. Yeah, I guess in terms of like uh, like a shift in ideas, because he, in verse one, he talks about, you know, I guess it's like him seeing them again for the first time in a year. And then the second verse is sort of him flashing back to uh, to that you know, giving his heart this Christmas gift he gave. That is true. So he that... says, Happy Christmas. That's whispered. And that is Happy Christmas because we're British. <laughs> because uh, George Michael was featured in the series Extras. Which is the best way to remember if someone is British or not. <laughs> yeah, if you're having trouble, ask, were they featured on Extras? Hmm. Uh, I wrapped it up and sent it with a note saying, I love you. I meant it. Now I know what a fool I've been. But if you kissed me now, I know you'd fool me again. Which there's those true colors again coming out. Mm-hmm. Clearly, this person is somewhat special because he remembers them and he he's feeling nostalgic. He's he's longing for a time past. It's got that melancholy thing, which is a very Christmassy thing for some reason. Yeah, Christmas is like weirdly MAGA. 
Yeah. For whatever. It does reason. want to make America great <laughs> it, it again. Just, I don't know why. It's just wants. It's longing for the past. Yeah, it's a, like a, I think part of it is just uh, I'm particularly. I don't know about in other cultures, but like here, where you know we get wrapped up in snow. That alone gives you this sort of like sadness. You're kind of longing to to go outside in some ways. You feel a little a little tucked in, a little trapped. Yeah, and kind of you get introspective just because mm-hmm. your actions are limited. And in my experience, you do less stuff because people yeah. are busy and stuff like that compared to like the summer. Um, I mean, something like uh, the soundtrack to Charlie Brown Christmas is it feels so christmas but it's also very like melancholy at times oh yeah and i don't i don't know if (laughs) i don't know where the like if the association existed and just for whatever reason it's like a time of looking back and i'm sure there's a cultural aspect to that but i'd be curious if maybe there's some universal like human feeling it's just when we're in this state we think about this thing it's very Mm -hmm. very strange yeah. Now, what I like about this this second verse is with the, I know what a fool I've been, but if you kiss me now, I know you'd fool me again. It seems to uh, like draw on another idiom. In the first verse, we get once bitten and twice shy. And then in this one, it kind of brings up the idea of fool me once, uh, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me, right? Ah, yes. It's all about shame. That's right. It's <laughs> I can relate to that. And that's why this song is so relatable. It's so universal. Mm-hmm. Shame. Shame. That's, that's what's bringing it together. <laughs> so, yeah, there's this idea that he, uh, you know, he put himself out there. This person kind of fucked him up. But yeah, he was a fool then and he's a fool now. So he would, like, honestly, if he thought there was a chance, he might fucking do it all again. And we know he would. Because we've seen the music video. Yeah, we've seen the music video. And we can tell you some stories about it. We probably will. First. But first, a word from our sponsors. (laughs) That's right. It's uh, Christmas is our sponsor this week. Cover up those presents, people, with wrapping paper. (laughs) Buy some. It's shiny. Use the offer code COVERME at your local dollar store. See what happens. See what happens. See what they say. It's shiny and it's bad for the environment. (laughs) Wrapping paper. (laughs) All right. So then there's a chorus, which is, of course, yep. re- repeated the section twice. Yep. Um, then we get our verse three, verse four, which, again, verse three is back in the present, I think. Mm-hmm. Yes, because he's hiding from the other person, and their soul of ice. And their soul of ice. Which is ice. not a line I picked up on previously. But Me neither. It's very dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's from, just... From verse two, where he's like, yeah, if you kiss me, I might be down for it again. <laughs> yeah. Verse three, or... Soul I'm of ice from you and your soul of ice, mm. <laughs> and uh, again has a structure of describing the situ like the the room in the first two lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess the first verse doesn't really just the first the first line, but yeah. it does say I keep my distance because it's like physical, right? Yeah, um, so there is like this idea of a space we're in. Yeah, and then the third verse has that for the first two lines. And yeah, crowded room, friends fighting. with tired uh, friends with tired eyes. Um, so it's late or whatever they've been doing their thing, and now mm-hmm. he's still like kind of stuck in his head. It's like I th- ah, thinking about this thing that happened before. I thought you were someone I could rely on, but like, yeah, well, what am I, chopped liver? 
Exactly. Which Me, is... I guess I was just a shoulder to cry on. Hey! And hey! Uh, and that happens again. Yeah, I don't know if there's another like idiom we can... I mean, shoulder to cry on. There yeah, and also... Not he's, soul he's, of uh... ice, though. Yeah, here's a stretch, though. He's given her the cold shoulder. Mm, he kind of is, isn't he? Yeah, Even he's, though... he's hiding from her. So they have co-icy souls. Mm-hmm. Maybe his... No, because he's given her the cold shoulder because she's got a soul of ice. She cried on his shoulder, made his shoulder cold. Oh, shit. Everything's frozen. Because it's right. Christmas time. Well, it's a very cold verse, I'll tell you that. Yeah, it's a, it's a, like another verse being like, ah, this is, this is a struggle. It's, it's again, like why you don't need these verses. It's all pretty plain from the chorus. Yeah. But hey, they're catchy. Yeah. Although the fourth verse is a hot verse. Because mm. they talk about fire. Yeah, this is a shift. A face on a lover with a fire in his heart. A man undercover, but you tore me apart. Tore me apart. Oh, yeah, I just got to that part. I'm listening to it in the background. Yeah, it rocks. It's good. Now I found, now a, I found real a real love. You'll never fool me You'll again. You'll never fool me again. But he's contradicting himself. He's still dwelling on this thing, obviously. But he's telling himself, mm-hmm. no, I have some something else. Yeah. Someone else. Okay. But I don't know. He sounds a little iffy. So... We get some more choruses, and then the outro where he kind of repeats the... Yeah, the face on the, the lover verse. one. Face on a lover. What does that mean? Face on a lover I, with a fire I was going to ask you. A man undercover, but she tore me apart. He's a man undercover, mm-hmm. but she tore the covers off. Like, you tore me open, and I was being, you know, guarding myself. You tore it open, and, like, I was mm-hmm. vulnerable. And right? I suppose like, she... Fire uh, in your heart, she... I get it, but face yeah. on a lover... Face on a lover with a fire in his heart. It sounds cool. Yeah, I, I'll give him that. It sounds cool. I I don't know if I can actually parse like a real meaning like, from yeah, it. Yeah, like what do those words mean? My only thing is because I know George Michael, uh, you know, was gay and didn't come out till 1998, and this and came out or in 84. Bisexual? It's very unclear for a lot of famous people. It, it is unclear. Someone like Freddie Mercury who we say is gay but was, like, bisexual, but only gay because he ended up with a man sort of situation. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Where I believe it, it specifically lists him as, as gay on Wikipedia. It says he came out as gay. And, uh, okay. So that, I'm just going to take that as at yeah. face value. Let's go with that because we, <laughs> we don't have time to do research in the episode right now. In the episode, yeah. Um, but... Yeah, so that's the only other like like meaning behind a meaning I could think of with a man undercover, but you tore me apart. Yeah, for sure. But that doesn't really track because it's like he gave his heart to this person, and frankly, the person isn't gendered in the song. It could just as easily be a man as a woman. Yeah, uh, it's a woman in the video though. But I mean, yes. for, uh, I would say for obvious reasons, mm-hmm. they they would have made that creative decision. Um, in 1984, so... Yeah, for 1984 kind of reasons, like... Yeah, you know. Uh, but we should talk about that video now. Yeah, let's talk about that video. It is, uh... Pretty much exactly what you would expect, is it? I don't know, it's... it's... pretty, like, literal. But it's... It's yeah. basically... It's a ski trip. With a yes. whole bunch of people. 
everyone's paired off. Everyone's there as a couple. And mm-hmm. it's very clear that George Michael and one of the women in the other couples have, you know, this history. It's made yeah. pretty apparent throughout the video. And then at the end of the video, there's even a flashback. And then it reveals that a brooch that it zooms in on one of the other guy's lapels, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he's got this, like, really gaudy, like, diamond-encrusted brooch thing. And, uh, not my style. Anyway. Um, yeah. And then it flashes back to George Michael giving it to this other woman who clearly re-gifted it. Yeah. And so the, the, other, the other man is uh, Andrew Ridgely. In the oh, video. is it? Yeah, and according to Wikipedia, an interesting note is that the, the brooch is worn right side up when the, the, the girl wears it, but it's worn upside down when Ridgely's wearing it. So it's like a St. Peter kind of situation being crucified upside down. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> Yeah, it's a biblical <laughs> illusion, I'm sure. Well, yeah. is that in the Bible? No idea. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think so, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know. They probably mention it. So this uh, this duo, though. this video also features. So some of the people featured in this video are the the backing singers that they used often, called Pepsi and Shirley, as well as the bassist for the band Spandau Ballet, Martin Kemp. Kemp. That sounds yeah. Funny. You probably know. Um, he's most known for uh being in the the new wave band Spandau Ballet. Their hit song is uh, what the fuck is it called? It's a good song. Is it Don't Dream It's Over? I, I don't don't dream it's over. And I'll, and I'll. No, that's a... Uh... Fuck me. Now I gotta look it up. <laughs> it's true. I know this much, much is true. true. Okay. All right. I always confuse those two for some reason, and they're <laughs> not really that similar. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. But yeah, that's pretty much my only uh, my only point of knowledge for Spandau Ballet. I hope I'm saying that right. It's a German word, not ballet, but the first one. Spandau Ballet. Okay. Uh, oh, I see. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, and they're basically just at like some ski lodge, and they mm-hmm. they're doing some decoration. Uh, there's a brief moment where George Michael and this other woman share like a he like falls on her a bit. And it's like, oh, yeah. And they have like some eye contact. Yeah, there's a it's lot a of like longing yeah. glances, a lot of like close ups on George Michael, close up on the, the brown haired woman, and then, you know, like kind of back and forth. And it's just a bunch of like buddies being bros. Yeah, that really is it. Like, and, and, like the scenes he talks about, crowded room full of tired like, friends with tired eyes. Yeah. You got, a bunch, you got a bunch of people in a room, they look like they're sleeping. Yeah, they have they on couches happens. and stuff. And there's also a part where they're all sitting around a table and George Michael's just like staring at this other woman. <laughs> yeah, he's got a mad pout on. Very clearly like, like staring at her and like drink some wine. Yeah. It's a lot of him like brooding and staring at her in different scenarios. And Andrew is just like, do you like my upside down brooch? <laughs> <laughs> like St. Peter. Like St. Peter. <laughs> Of the Bible. Of the Bible fame. <laughs> and uh other thing I've noticed, they have a snowball fight at one point. They do. And you can clear... So, here's the thing they do here, I think. So, mm-hmm. wait, is this, is that, that's not even the snowball fight. Okay. They do have a snowball fight. Okay, but 
not related to the snowball fight. Um, so they do a flashback section, and mm-hmm. then they go back to the present. But I believe, in order to make it clear that it's the present, no, is that true? Okay, basically, this other woman gets like mm-hmm. red and pink clothing, so you can tell her apart from everyone else because everyone has right. like the same hair. That makes sense, except for the Please. blonde lady. Anyway, so that was probably a good decision. Yeah, that's a good way to show different events occurring. Um, there's a few, yeah, because when it flashes back, she's not wearing red, so you can tell it's the past. Yeah. And then they ski, and then it's this they Merry Christmas, ski. thank you. Yeah, buddy. And they're all sort of paired off at the end there. Which they, they were kind of at the start too. Yeah, so it's uh, and he's not. They're not paired off any differently. So when when read with the uh, right with the line, now I found real love. You'll never fool me again. Right. It seems to imply that he has moved on at the end of this. I hope so, because he's with another woman. Mm-hmm. She seems nice. She's got her hair swept to one side. She's wearing sunglasses. Yeah. She's a real real stand up gal. Yeah, and that's the video. I mean, it's really like a literal interpretation of this. Yeah, it is like the most literal interpretation. And then, it, yeah, it, there's not much else to it, I don't think. Yeah, that's the way she goes. But where's um, the symbolism? That, where's the symbols? It's the brooch. The brooch is the symbol. Bro- oh, right, the symbolism. The biblical symbolism. <laughs> Come on, brooch. I forgot. <laughs> um, before we jump to the, to the covers we'll be discussing today, I want to briefly mention some honorable mentions. As this is a Christmas song, there's like a billion versions there's of it. so many. A uh, few versions that uh, we looked at but didn't make the final cut were Good Charlotte, uh, The Main, who you may recognize from the Bitch Better Have My Money episode. Uh, he did a very, uh, I think it was a very Maroon 5 sounding version. Uh, it was uh, Matchbox, Matchbox 20. 20. I knew it was an M word and a number. <laughs> <laughs> Matchbox 20 sounding version. That's the main. Uh, the Cheetah Girls of Disney Channel fame, along with Hilary Duff, who also had a version and also is of Disney Channel fame. And, of course, Kim Wilde, who we've discussed several times so on the podcast. Twice. We've discussed twice. So those are your honorable mentions. You can look them up on the internet if you're curious. But today, we're going to open up our cover discussion with a, a 2001 uh, cover by Jimmy Eat. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. The very next day, you gave it away. I don't know much about Beyond Rock Band, but the middle's a pretty good song. Yeah, that's a that's a banger. Yeah. Um and they're like a like kind of alt poppy band, I would say. Yeah. This is a very like pop rock version. Yeah, for sure. And like it opens with this kind of like quick like finger pick into a strum like and then just starts and then like it's it's plays this guitar throughout it's very echoey yeah. but it also plays the like main melody on the guitar at this beginning yeah and it's like it's an electric guitar uh, obviously but it's like very it's very clean sound on it it's not distorted yeah it could just, be just echoey guitar. like you mentioned yeah it could be but then a distorted guitar comes in once the instruments pick up a that's little that's true that's true 
And that plays and the, the, it plays that melody, and then like we introduce more instruments. We get yeah. drums and that electric guitar. Yeah, there also seems to be like some sort of like wooden percussion sounding noise. It might be easier to hear at the start of the song. Yeah, because it's there right off the bat. Yeah, that might actually... I don't know what that is. But I do hear Yeah, it. but that goes throughout the song as well. But yeah, you're it right. It gets then pretty covered up to... later on, though, like you were saying. Yeah. Because um, we, we get the more traditional like drum kit going. Yeah, and they also... They add like a little melody thing um, on a different... I want to say synthesizer. It kind of sounds violinish. I think it could reasonably yeah. be played on a guitar. I'm not totally sure what it is, but it does this like. Yeah, it's sort of it's like a kind of uh, a very treble sounding. Yeah, like not exactly yeah, sure it, what it is. Because it it could be like a very distorted guitar. It could be a synth, or yeah, it could be some kind of weird violin. Yeah, I think it could be an electric violin, but I don't know. Yeah. It's tough. Um, and that's kind of their at addition. But there's a lot of subtraction as well. So they sing mm -hmm. the chorus a few times. And then, um, like, several times. And, like, kind of build. They do build instrumentation because they're adding some, like, gr they're a, a slightly grittier guitar. And that weird violin synth thing kind of keeps playing. And then they mm -hmm. go back to their opening bit. But they add that violin. And this is after only singing like the chorus a couple times. Yeah. They, so, really like, they don't even have do any verses chorus. at this point. We're like halfway through. Yeah. And then they do a little breakdown. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, yeah, they do yeah. that. Uh, when That breakdown is when they, it's, it goes to just like the acoustic sounding guitar, right? Uh, yes. No, it's kind oh, of, no, it's, I, it's, um, we get a jingle bell in there, too. Yeah, there's a jingle bell, and there's kind of, like, wow, 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 like, it's, yeah, it's another, like, and then, uh, there's a bass section. line you can hear, too. Yes. Doom, 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 just so they kind of do their, like, I want to call it an early 2000s breakdown, but I don't know if it's actually indicative of the times. Mm. Um, certainly it was something that was popular for a while, but I'm not sure when. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, I couldn't. I couldn't say one way or the other. Yeah, so this guitar sound—it's an—it's kind of weird. I was listening to it, and I was trying to figure out what was going on because it—it mm -hmm. sounds very like, like the lower cutoff is like, or what is noise gate? Yeah, is like high because it kind of cuts out when it gets to a certain point. Like the way. Okay. It's a very yeah. interesting sound. I think it's a guitar, but yeah, it's uh kind of a neat sound they got going on there yeah they did make some interesting uh like instrumental choices mm -hmm. on this i found and then they do sing the fourth verse yeah face of a lover only the, Is that fourth the only verse, verse they sing yeah. yeah yeah and uh they keep that neat guitar sound going underneath it um, yeah and hang on i accidentally jumped my spot um and of course jingle bells are going um i think they sing it twice yeah they sing the verse twice and 
the drums have a real like kick focus. Yeah. Like they and, they kind of uh, drop some of the some of the snare stuff. Yeah, and uh, near the end they do uh, two singers for the the this the same thing that they do at the end of the Wham version. And then we get the what whatever that instrument is that synth or, or violin or whatever it is comes in and does a it just kind of does its thing for a bit. Yeah, and that's like the outro. This is a fairly long version cuz what how long is the original? Mm-hmm. Oh no, it's not it's is... about the same length actually. Yeah. Now, I was going to ask cut you this question. Verses. Yeah. Do you think long Christmas songs are better because they they're like mostly intended to be background music? And then you can just like play fewer songs you can license fewer songs for more time yeah and it's just it's just like it fills space and then people just kind of acclimatize to whatever song's playing yeah maybe there's not too much changes and people can just like chill out in the mall or whatever Mm-hmm. maybe although these are still only like four and a half minutes which is like a minute longer than what i would consider the like standard pop song length yeah yeah, they're not like super long, that's fair, but just we, especially on this show, we've been doing a lot of like three and a half minutes tops. True, pieces. true. I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess a minute is kind of a long time, depending on your time scale, but like for a song, yeah. a minute can be a very long time. Depending truth. on how you use that time. So yeah, this is like a real like soft pop rock version. Yeah, it gives it a very different sound. I'd say it maintains a lot of the melancholy mm-hmm. without and it but it's less Christmassy. Yeah. But it still has it, jingle bells. Yeah, so <laughs> like where the original manages to be a pop Christmas song. Right. This is more like a pop cover of a christmas song you know yeah and it it feels it's less specifically christmasy don't know why um mm-hmm. but it does have some interesting uh sounds in it and some neat like synth or effect stuff i don't know maybe these guys were more effect guys but i think uh there's and they did switch up the structure quite a bit they only sing one of the yeah. verses which is the verse that kind of has whoops like the way it's sung, the way it's done, like compared to the other ones, it's got a really like, I'm trying to think of how to describe like the rhythm. The rhythm to me is the part of that verse that's notable because the other one's like once bitten, twice shot, or like I wrap it up. Oh, right. I guess that yeah, has it comes it at you a little face, face with, with a lover with like, there's a lot of syllables. Yeah. It, like he goes a little, like, I think he punches some of the syllables a little more on that in the original as well. Yeah. So, almost like an iambic pentameter, a face with a love. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> but it's, it's something, something like that. Well, you know, there's a rhythm it's to it. It's a notable it. rhythm. So they they really only take that one. It's neat. Yeah. With that, let's move into seven years into the future, seven and go talk talk to Taylor Swift in 2008 when she was still a country T-Swift. girl. Country days. I mean, I guess she kind of had a transitional phase, but really, she wasn't like pop, pop straight up until like 2014. Yeah. 20. 
14. That sounds about yeah. right. Like, yeah. Because that was when 1989 came out. That's right. That's when we finally released the year 1989 yes. for public consumption. Quite, quite, a, quite a time. We suddenly had a whole new year in 2014. <laughs> Bizarre. All right. So wild. Taylor Swift, very popular pop artist. You may have heard of her. Um, she was a like country artist or like pop country. Uh, mm-hmm. This is pop country. Around the same time, Fearless came out, which is another Taylor Swift album. Mm. Uh, this is just an album where she does a bunch of Christmas songs. Yeah, that is correct. Including this one, which is quite, I'd say it's pretty pop country. It opens with yeah. like a slide guitar. And then they go into the mm-hmm. bells. Like, it's like, bah, yeah, the hand bells. Like, it feels, it's pretty pop country. Yeah. But her first a, verse, she only does mm-hmm. it one time. She doesn't do the second rep on the first Oh, verse. okay, yeah. I don't know what right. that means, but you, like, get into the verse, or, sorry, on the chorus, not the verse. Um, right. You get into the verse. Well, her version faster. is a minute shorter. But she has all the same verses as far as I know. Yeah. As far as I can tell. But this is, I mean, this is Taylor Swift, which is, like, I would say very, like, precise pop music, regardless of whether there's a country edge to it or not. Right. So, if you look at, like, I mean, a lot of Taylor Swift songs are, like, very, very, very close to three and a half minutes. Mm. And I'm sure that's true of a lot of artists, but, like, I don't know. I feel like I've never noticed it as much as when I'm looking at Taylor Swift songs and or listening to them. Right. It's it's like, even this one sounds very much like pop of 2008 like it's she's been in the pop like industry yeah for sure for quite some time and i think that shows that her songs sound like pop standards almost like like the product you look at and you're like that's how you make a pop song absolutely take a, t- yeah. take a regular song cut it down to three and a half minutes cut it down to 305 we, um, yeah, we gained 25 seconds of attention span since billy joel's day <laughs> amazing how did we do it <laughs> Um, amphetamines probably. Um, <laughs> that's right, baby. So, and but it, it it still got the country stuff. Like they, the focus in the beginning is very much like the bells, like bow bow bow, and then kind of like some guitar strumming. But they add some banjo in, and there's the like yeah violin banjo. Too. They get a, a fiddle, yeah, or a violin as well. And then of course you get electric guitar as well, which lets you know it's pop country. Absolutely, got to get that electric country. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, it does um, sound pretty, yeah. pretty pop country. Yeah, and there's a dude actually doing harmonies on the chorus. He does the lower part. Yeah, I feel like he gets more noticeable. I didn't notice him until the end, but he's there. Yeah, and so I think he also brings it a little bit into country. Like she's, she's got a bit of a country singing voice on this. Yeah, she's Not definitely overtly, still got the so, twang in two thousand. Yeah. But yeah, I, I guess like effectively what this one does is makes it a pop country hit in the same way that I think Jimmy Eat World effectively made it a pop rock song. Yeah, it's just this one follows the structure a little more closely. Mm-hmm. And I think using the handbells was a good like, especially because it's more church-like. So, you know, in country, you guys actually love God. So you get the, the church bells out, you know? Quite often, yeah. Throw out those handbells. I mean, don't throw them out. like. Use them. Yeah. 
You kind of you kind of throw them out, but you hold it, and then you you, you raise it up you in a circular motion as you bring it back. Yeah. Handbells, grade five. What's up? <laughs> oh, look I who have, made the handbell team. I made the like the B team of handbell teams. We, we learned like very simple songs, and I'm pretty sure I got like the kind of handbells you only got to ring twice in a song. Were they the big ones? I think so. Did you guys have hand chimes? Don't think so. We had hand chimes, which were like um, bars, basically hollow bars with a mallet attached. So you do the handbell motion, but the little mallet would be on the outside, and it would just like boom. Oh, weird. Same idea. Same idea. Yeah, Slightly I'm looking at these sound. now. Um. Anyway, yeah. So that's the Taylor Swift version. She adds a little thing at the end. She says, "This year won't be anything like last Christmas." That's right. That's right. She does say that. I thought that was a pretty pretty good improvisation or whatever you want to call it yeah because it kind of like runs into the line Mm-hmm. and so. yeah this is another one that like builds the instruments throughout you listen to the end you got the bells going you got this uh violin going drums are slamming the cymbals and shit like it gets louder as you go through the piece yeah yeah it's, it's got that it's got like a pretty precise pop structure yeah ppp PPS and now we're we're gonna move from precise pop structure into more imprecise, imprecise live structure. performance with uh, Frank Turner from in 2011. Boy, Frank Turner. Once bitten, twice shy. Keep my distance, you still catch my eye. Tell me, baby, do you recognize me? It's been a year. Ooh, I'm thrilled we... to be talking about this. Is this the first time we've talked about a Frank Turner song for real? Yes, that's pretty exciting. We've like we've mentioned him before, yeah. in like in bonus segments and just in general conversation. But yeah, yeah. This so, is the first time we get to talk about. So him. we're pretty big fan- fans of Frank Turner. Uh, he's a, I guess, punk folk, but also sometimes punk country is he would identify as according to his book. Um, okay. That I read part of and haven't finished yet. Um, mm-hmm. Artists who like came out of the hardcore scene in london i believe and this is sort of his solo stuff now um this is 2011 so he'd been around for probably i'm gonna say about six years as a solo artist and this was the same year he released his uh england keep my bones album right which is pretty significant to this recording because you the beginning of this song is the guitar part from nights become days but he goes into a different song now i don't know when this recording happened because we this seems to be off um a compilation album called the second three years so i don't Mm -hmm. which was before i believe england keep my bones um so i don't know if the song nights become days was written when he actually performed this or not right but the the this guitar strumming pattern from the beginning of this version is also in that song. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's an interesting start to it. And uh, yeah, so it's a live performance <clears throat> and he just does this uh, like finger picking and kind of just sings the song straight. It's a, it's pretty quiet. Yeah. He starts with the first verse. He doesn't mm-hmm. do it for us. He starts, so he does has that um, picking pattern. Boom, 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 boom. That's what it sounds mm-hmm. like if you like guitar sounds from my mouth. Um, <laughs> and 
And then the drums are kind of neat too because they're more like snare focused. The other ones have been pretty straight, like rock beat. Form. Yeah, I was going to mention, this is, he, gonna like, is he just hitting the snare? Is there brushes he's using on that or is it just straight sticks? I have no idea. I think it could be uh, sticks, just like a little softer. Okay. Right, um, yeah. But it's not like, I know we've seen when like you take brushes and just like rub them on the snare, which mm-hmm. is a different style as well i don't think that's happening here okay yeah i think you're right it is just a soft but he's kind of just got like this yeah kind of like a stuff soft like <laughs> like a little like drum roll thing going on sort of like which is uh you know it's kind of christmas musicy that that there's a lot of that in little drummer yeah it's like little yeah little drummer boy kind of style so that's neat but it's kind of the first more non-standard thing uh rhythm we've seen so far um but let's see let's see let's see uh yeah and so where it gets like a little more interesting is uh, on the chorus and other guitar just some chords but when we get the uh the piano coming in to do sort of that handbell synth from the original and some other parts Mm -hmm. as i think where this one really shines is that that very organic sounding piano stands in such contrast to the original but right. really, really brings it into to Frank Turner's sort of genre and style of music so perfectly. Yeah, for sure. And the other thing, in terms of the organic sense, after he sings, uh, once he gets to the chorus, I believe, um, possibly not the first time, mm-hmm. and, like everybody joins in. Like the, the yeah. audience is singing, and I assume the band is also singing. Um, like it's really like a live version. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, like right off the bat, honestly, you can hear the audience singing as soon as he starts. Yeah, because like, I mean, they know the song, mm-hmm. uh, but then you get to the chorus and probably more people know the chorus than the verses. So exactly. you can hear everybody because everyone can sing now. Yeah, and they do once once he gets close to the end, he he starts increasing the intensity on his vocals. Yes, and he goes, literally literally screaming them. Yeah, he goes he starts from low intensity Frank. He does medium intensity Frank for a while, and in that like for the second two verses, oh, or mm-hmm. right after the second two verses, but like at that point you can really hear him like inhaling. You can really mm. hear him like just sucking in air between lines. I like and, hearing that sometimes yeah, on yeah. tracks. I mean, well, it it's it's compared to all the other ones. This is the only live version we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just really gives that sense of like that live imperfection. Like you can't edit out breathing. Yeah. Like it's, it's, even it's like, very present in the way he like goes to the shout. It's not like a, like a studio crafted shout. It still is musically sound, but it has like yeah. a bit of hoarseness behind it. Right. It's that and high I, intensity. I that, Frank. Yeah. And that really sells it. He's like, I don't and know if it's it, Yeah, that, but, you mm-hmm. know, when Frank Turner does that thing, he does. Yeah. Um, the other thing I kind of liked about this version, thought it was neat. Um, if you look at particularly early Frank Turner, but to a degree, more recent stuff as well, it has this mm-hmm. like tinge of nostalgia to it as well, because he's kind of got this history where like he was part of this hardcore scene and it sort of fell apart to a degree. Right, like a lot. I mean, and I think that would happen with anyone, really, because people move on. Not everyone, you know, sticks with it, whereas he did and turned into a career. But other people go become accountants or whatever. Right, and like, so he's got a lot of a lot of his earlier songs are like looking back on the good old days, and he was like twenty five, like right. Uh, 
So he's kind of always had that that sense about him in his music, and this song really like fits that well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, I think it's like uh, so far. I'd say it's worked in all the examples where they've really taken the song and made it their own style yeah, of for that sure. song. For sure. But like, I obviously I respond a little more to Frank Turner because he's one of my favorite artists. Yeah, we're a little biased on that. And yeah, also to do it in a live setting is pretty fucking cool. And I think, and I, it will come up on uh, the last song we'll talk about uh, for covers, but getting group singing on a Christmas song oh, is yeah. beautiful. Yeah, and getting it organically like knows. this is, sure. is unstoppable. That's like the best way to do it. And I don't know if this beginning was a fake out, but I do like fake out beginnings. I do love a good fake out. There is that, uh, what is it, a reality tour with uh, David Bowie live album? Oh, where yeah. at the beginning of all the young dudes, they start with the like intro drums from Young Americans. So they do the like, <laughs> ba, 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 da, 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 and then just like the guitar riff from all the young dudes, and then sing a completely <laughs> different song. So that's a fun fake out. God, that's killer. And this may or may not be a fake out because I don't know if Nights Become Days was a song at the time or not. Yeah, certainly an interesting move either way. <laughs> mm hmm. Speaking of interesting moves, we're going to talk about uh, Ariana Grande in 2013. We sure are. A uh, artist that my girlfriend insists on calling Ariola Grande. <laughs> Should just call her Ariola Grande. Areola Grand. Grand. Um, uh, an artist that my sister's really into. Um, okay. It was her number one artist on the Spotify whatever. Oh, yeah, the Spotify crypt. And she listened to something like 64 hours of Ariana Grande, you mentioned which is quite a bit of time. A lot. That's just about uh, three straight days. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty damn close. <laughs> um. So this is the first one that is just a sample, really. Like it's or, it's a sample in the sense of she uses the chorus. Yes. Which arguably, like mm-hmm. I, I would maybe detract more points if it wasn't a Christmas song, which we've established are, like the heart and soul of them is the chorus. <laughs> yeah, really. You can replace the verses with whatever. Um, this is a little bit more straightforward in terms of the the way the verses are written like the lines are pretty quick it's like mm-hmm. i hate that i remember i wish i could forget what you did last december you left my heart a mess boy you blew it how could you do it oh yeah like mm-hmm. there's I mean, less of on, a, oh yeah is a yeah. weird note yeah. oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah there's there's really less of like a story it's more of just like mm-hmm. this is the thing that happened but without details. Thought we belonged right. together. That's what you said. I should have known better. But you broke my heart again, which means mm-hmm. it happened like twice, at least. At least. That's um, right. So she goes back. She gets fooled once and fooled twice. Yeah. On Christmas morning. You broke my heart with no warning. Mm. Boy, you blew it. How could you do it? Repeats that. It's a couch. Yeah. Is that a refrain? Um, so, and then there's, like, an outro section where she repeats her first verse, which is all different. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, 
It's a lot of oh, she also it's the rascals, the rascals. I don't yeah, know who who are, who are the rascals. I don't know because I feel like if you Google the rascals, I'm assuming that's who's like doing the production. But there's that also would be my guess. A American rock band from Garfield, New Jersey, formed in 1965. I'm assuming it's not them. That'd be so wild if it was the rascals and they sounded that young in 2013. <laughs> so there's yeah, they're kind of like the background track, but there's. Not much of them. Yeah, I think they do some hand claps and some hey hey as well. Yeah, and like I said, I'm assuming they're doing they're working on the production, which is much more modern than any other version here in terms of like yeah, kind of hip hoppy production, like mm-hmm. pop and but uh, like pop. Yeah, this because this 2013, we're stepping to the era where producers are actually you know putting their name into songs. Yeah, this one, this one did sound, I don't know, a little more modern to me. It's got like the trap drums going on. Once she gets yeah, into trap the drums. Chorus. It's got that sort of high, like funky rhythm guitar that people love to do. Yeah, really high. Yeah, really high on the on the neck there. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the trap drums and uh, they yeah they do some shouting too. They sound like a hey hey hey. Mm-hmm. It's kind of quiet though. It's like regular. Yeah. They do like a hey hey hey. Um. Uh, she, let's see. She's got horns on this as well. Right, there are horns. They do the, like, bump, bump, bump. They kind of do, like, yeah. almost triplet, but, like, slow, like, bump, bump, bump. Kind of at the same time as the hey, hey, hey is actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's really just, like, a, a modernized version of it with the, with the production. Yeah, it's, I think, may, possibly the poppiest version we're going to talk about today, despite having quite a few pop like people on it maybe it's just because it sounds like the most modern it sounds like it's trying really hard to modernize it yeah on account of it's really only taken the chorus but it's still six years old Mm-hmm. which i don't know what that means yeah about my know. sensibilities but it seems they'd have done it in 2014 it'd probably been the next christmas hit yeah they got the wrong year <laughs> even Fucking though it's idiots. already a song uh that's popular um the other thing this one has Mm -hmm. the very beginning they do the thing and i'm trying to think of what it's from but they're like is that yeah it's a very christmasy sounding progression i think it's in something else but i can't think of what it is like it's it's like at the beginning of every christmas movie and like it's also part of um like the 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 original Grinch, kind of, when they do their like, mm-hmm. like song, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know if that's what it is from, but like it, it has that sound to it. So maybe that's all it is. Yeah, that's a really, I, like, I feel like I hear that in every Christmas movie yeah, it's now a, that you mention it. Like you hear that. it and you're like, oh yeah, that's the Christmas sound, but like why? Exactly. Because it has this like, this excitement behind it, I guess. Like melancholy excitement somehow in like yeah. four notes. Like how do you do that? Mm-hmm. It's like you play that and then it's you 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 pan down. All right, I guess you tilt down until like a snowy school building and then you see one person's like I'm excited for Christmas and then the other person is like I am not and you're like Wow, I'm watching a Christmas movie. Sure am. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, and this version is that, so it's very Christmassy. Despite yeah, it's the rest of it. Well, I, was, Ariana Grande wasn't a Disney star, was she? I think she was. 
Okay, yeah, it gives me a bit of a Disney star vibe. Okay, I'm I, I'm not surprised. Like they would put it in like a a Disney Channel original film, but maybe like a little higher production value on this because we've talked about what the Wizards of Waverly Place version of oh, everything yeah, she was, does is magic. That was poor. That was a heap of trash. Um, let's see Ariana Grande. Oh well, okay. No, I was just looking up how old she was. Because I was like six years ago, but she's 26 years ago, so. Okay. Yeah, she's our age. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's cool. Oh, she was in Nickelodeon TV series. Oh, uh, okay. she was still like a child star. Though. I, I get her confused with Selena Gomez, I think. They kind of both moved to pop star status, I think, around the same time. Yeah, I think it was like At a least in move. my mind, which was yeah. not paying attention to this sector at all. No. When when this would have happened, so I could be off. <laughs> I could be. Speaking of off, let's get off the topic of Ariana Grande and onto the topic of Leo. Leo, our boy, Leo. Once feeling and twice shy. I keep my distance, but you still catch my eye. Tell me, baby, do you recognize me? Oh, well, it's been a year. It doesn't surprise me. I know. I'm. St- I'm feeling like I should stop including him because I'm starting to become a fan. I know, right? <laughs> we just like to talk about Leo. Um, oh, yeah. This one opens with bells. Yeah. Just like ding, 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 and then of course it's Leo. It's a metal version. He does the thing they do, but faster and more distorted. So he does that. Yeah, with that with that real metal guitar tone. And like he does the way he does that, like that little that don't 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 That's usually that handbell synth. It yeah, sounds it sounds really good as a as like a metal progression of notes. It does. Um. Yeah, it's just like bow, and he kind of does like a slide up, like bow. Yeah, he kind of like riffs around it. Like it, it works. It works more than I would expect on like distorted electric guitar. Hmm. He also starts right with the first verse, just yep. like Frank Turner. Um, and the, he kind of does this anyway, I think. He's got, like, two layers of vocals where, like, there's a growly lower version and then his slightly higher version that's more, like, melodic. Mm-hmm. But still... Yeah, and then he kind of trades uh, which one takes rough. emphasis. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think that's a great idea because, uh, like, I kind of talked about this at the top, but this song is really for, like, singing because the, the track is just a rhythm track for right. instruments. So building that interest using just, uh, the uh, like, growl voice versus, like, standard metal voice right. is good. Yeah, yeah. Kind of and we've talked both. before with his songs about how it gives you a kind of insight into, the, into the, the mind in a way where this song, he's very much in his head. And so then he's like, you know, tell me, baby, do, do you recognize me? And then oh. it gets kind of darker. You know, you get, the thoughts get darker, and so he gets growlier, and I think that works. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that. I do know, when, after he says, tell me, baby, do you recognize me? He does this, like, how? <laughs> Which I don't, I don't know why, but he does. Yeah, it's, you know what? This dude's always, like, just having fun doing his own thing. To yeah. the point where he, he just randomly shouts zipper and then they have a zipper solo. Right. I thought they, like, it sounds like it would be, like, it sounds like scratching, kind of. Mm-hmm. But not quite. I, so I, was I like, thought it was record scratching on a passive yeah. listen. I thought maybe he was just, like, 
sliding on a fretboard or something. But it's literally mm. just like if you watch the video, a guy walks in and like starts sliding a zipper up and down, like <laughs> and like it's a zipper solo. And I yeah. didn't I didn't pick up on the zipper thing until I watched the video because I was like, oh, he says a thing that's syllables that doesn't mean anything, and then he does a like scratching. But in the yeah. video, yeah, it's just you see a guy with a jacket doing a zipper solo. So I guess to him, Christmas is jackets because it's cold. Yeah, that makes sense. The other thing he does in this one that I thought was interesting, uh, like we said, there's kind of two vocal tracks where there's a higher and a lower one. Um, mm-hmm. In the third verse, when the vocals get a little bit higher, like the tired eyes in particular line, right? he goes into sort of falsetto. But when he's in falsetto, he's not very gritty, which I was actually a little mm-hmm. bit surprised by because there's a lot of like metal singers out there who sing, I think, mostly in falsetto. But they still have the like grit, um, right? But he still has the like lower end, growlier track to sort of like add that grit. But it sounds like it's kind of being lost on his on his higher vocal track. Right. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, it it's just like a note on how he sings. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Also, this was so 2015, he... so maybe in four years he's. Uh, learn something new maybe um yeah it's 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 got all your classic metal bits we get some some heavy tom hitting later in the song we get uh double kicks they, they, double kicks we get a, a little uh sort of light section where he he does it like a whispery voice yeah you gave it away this year to save me from tears yeah and it's special yeah, and he, it's and that's right after right the zipper there. solo. Yeah, right after the zipper solo. And so you get some just like gentle arpeggios on the on the guitar and stuff. And then yeah, and then he goes back to being heavy. It's it's good. It's a fun piece. I like this one. Yeah. He and yeah, he just like shouts special. Special mm-hmm. and then like boom, end of the song. Boom. Hell yeah, brother. Let's talk about a Canadian classic, Carly Ray Jepsen in the year twenty fifteen. <laughs> Egyptian. She's a Canadian pop singer, as you mentioned. She's the one who did "Call Me Maybe." Yeah, which was... no, she definitely did "Call Me." <laughs> oh no, she didn't do "Call Me." That was Blondie. Uh, <laughs> oh, um, funny. Sure are. So this version has saxophone in it. Yes, it's kind of interesting because it's got like the beginning is like this. It's sort of like sounds like vocal samples that have been um, lo-fi-itized. I believe that's exactly what it is. It's like a lo-fi digital choir. Yeah. Ah! And then, yeah, but like really, like you said, lo-fi. So there's that, and then like the saxophone. So you kind of get these like two ends of like very much digital sounding and like, I'd say a pretty rich sounding acoustic instrument. Yeah. Even compared to some other acoustic instruments. Some saxophonist said it was like the closest thing to a human voice because it's so expressive. I can't remember who the fuck said it. Oh, who said that? I remember that quote now. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why it came up now. And it's... And so it's kind of like... So it has that. Mm -hmm. And then like the saxophone comes in and it's like... 
which is the melody from the last Christmas. And then she comes in mm-hmm. and she says, I gave you my heart. Like, it's kind of back and forth. Right. Yeah. And this is the one where she starts with the, the Merry Christmas. I wrapped it up and sent it line. Okay. So that's a, that's a different starting point. It's a different starting point. That's... And she says Merry Christmas instead of Happy Christmas, because she's Canadian. Ah, she sure is. Does anyone, everyone just like cuts that out? Yeah, for the most part, that line they doesn't really make it. it. All. Um, let's see, what else have we got in this one? Kind of like the bass in this one, when it comes in, which is after the verse, I believe. Yeah, it was surprising to actually hear it, and then it does, yeah, kind of like a one long note, two shorter notes. And there's some, sing it, plays yeah, drum notes. machines, yeah, boom, that bass. Boom, boom. And then boom, the other, boom. that riff from that, like, lo-fi vocal thing comes in a couple times, which does, it's like, ba-da-da-da-da. Yeah. Ba-da-da-da-da. Um, which, honestly, like, it's, it's an interesting choice. I wasn't crazy about it, though. Yeah, I, I feel like I should have liked this more than I did. Mm. Uh, this song, kind of, overall. Because as soon as, like, the saxophone hit, I was like, damn, I'm into this. But overall, wasn't as... Wasn't like super impressed, but it's got some, it's got some neat production. Other than that, but it's very much like pop production. Yeah. Um, based around kind of that da 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 da, like that comes up a lot, and the saxophone. Mm-hmm. And I suppose because I don't like that da 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 da, that that's why it falls flat. Because like if you build it around that, I don't like the thing you built it around. Yeah. I don't care I how good the sax is. Putting all your eggs into one basket, which I respect, but. I don't know. It felt yeah. a little bit flat for me, which I was disappointed by because I was hoping to like mm-hmm. this one. Uh, yeah, it's I, I like I almost found myself liking the Ariana Grande version more than this one. Just because it really was like, like Ariana Grande, something different, and you kind of get the. I mean, compared to the other ones, like we said, it's the yeah. most modernized sounding one. Exactly, it was like loudly different. It was yeah. like we're doing all of these different things. You're gonna know it. Yeah, this and obviously was like, it was a different song. Like the verses, yeah, were different. So. Um, yeah, very twinkly with some of the synths on this one as well, but that's about all I got for this one. Yeah, I mean, what year was this, 2015? I don't yes. know if it sounds super 2015 to me, but then I made Yeah, you could have made this 2005, like, you could have made this. Yeah. Or, like, at least, like, 2011? Yeah. To 2014? I don't know. But, you know, Maybe, that's, again, that's a, a, a struggle with covering Christmas music. Is that Christmas right. music is based on timelessness anyway, right? Yeah. So now we're getting this weird timelessness where pop covers sound like they could have been from any time in the past, you know, twenty years. And it's weird because, it, like, as you know, someone who lived through it, it's kind of weird to think of that as being timeless. You're like, oh, this dates itself, but that's what it's trying to do, maybe. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's odd. It's an odd challenge to cover a Christmas song versus a regular song. Yeah, but I'd say overall with this one, I liked parts of it, but not the yeah. whole thing. Yeah, I liked individual pieces, but I did not like how they came together. So, very close. B minus, Carly Rae Jepsen. Yeah. Or maybe C plus. So I don't want to talk too much shit to her. Last year, she, somebody gave her a sword when she was on stage somewhere, and everybody's been losing their shit about that it's ever gonna, since. It's going to come after us? And she's, yeah, she's gonna... <laughs> she doesn't even need to, like, use her passport to find us, so... No, yeah, she's got free reign over here. <laughs> so let's just 
Let's just chill on that and move on to Gwen Good. Stefani. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart, but the very next day, you gave it away. This year, to save me from tears, I'll give it to someone. Gwen Stefani, let's Gwen rip Stefani, into her heart. You make me feel like Christmas is the album name. Um, That's right. Speaking of ripping into her heart, does this version remind you of Hungry Heart by Bruce Springsteen? Now that you mention it, because like yes, it super does. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's it's because I'm listening to it right now, and as soon as you said that, it's just like yeah, like yeah, I hear that's it. not what they do, but it fits. Mm-hmm. It fits, and then like it's so weird, and then the other thing they do is the like like the drum thing. Yeah, is, is that a drum? Is that a castanet? I don't think it's a castanet, but okay. I think it's like I was. In researching a song in the last couple weeks, I think it was even Snow Mountain, I looked up, okay. like, drum technique, and the video said there are three drum-playing rudiments, and that mm. is a single hit, yep. um, a double hit, which is, like, mm-hmm. you swing the stick once, but it kind of bounces and hits twice, so you can do that, like, okay. back and forth, be like, and, like, play it really fast, and then a flam, or a flam, basically, where you hold the two sticks at different heights, and then you hit a you swing them both at the same time and they hit slightly off. So those are like the three drum, like basic movements. Right. Uh, there might be more. I don't know, but I think it's kind of like a double hit and then two single hits or something like that. Like it sounds like that to me. So I think it's right. I don't think it's castanets, but it could be interesting. Um, yeah, this one's got that going for it. It's also got a lot of violin, which I thought was weird. Yeah, it does. They like add in, and it just like adds more as they go. Mm-hmm. And it's like weirdly it's, Springsteen. Yeah, it's like very much every other artist we've seen has tried to bring this song into their sort of like realm of music, like into their classic genre. Whereas Gwen Stefani has made the move to to just go into Christmas with this song. Yeah, as opposed to ska punk. Yeah, like some ska punk or some of her, you know, later pop work. Yeah, which I don't know that well, but it was quite different. Um, the other well, thing this is... This ain't no Hall of Back girl, I can tell you that. That's true. Um, and I would wonder if... Now, she's married to Blake Shelton. Mm. And she was when this was recorded. I wonder if he brought in the Springsteen. Maybe. He's like country. Uh, Blake Shelton. Oh, country yeah, he's country. Least, okay. Yeah. I have no idea. Anyway. Weirdly Springsteen, which I thought was kind of neat. Um, other than that, I didn't think it was, like, super notable. No, it was actually pretty boring. <laughs> she, like, I mean, she sings it. She sounds like Gwen Stefani singing it. That's cool. Yeah. Um, there's a piano they add in, but it's really only doing, like, a kind of a chord progression. Mm-hmm. I think if they had gone even more Springsteen, I would have been more into this. If they had yeah. kind of like E Street Band kind of like uh, flourishes and, and ornamentations on notes and stuff, this would have been pretty. If they had gotten the E Street Band to play on this, it would have been Oh, dope. fuck yeah. I would have been super into it. Yeah, they that sort of have. like high end bar band sound. Like, like, that would be awesome. Yeah, they like all but did that, which I think means they actually did it because that's a weird phrase, but they did mm-hmm. everything but get the E Street Band in, as far as I'm concerned. Right. And they should have. They should have. That'd have been awesome. Now I now I like this version even less because it leaves Cause me wanting something. It's like almost there. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Um, speaking of what's there, it's the next version of this, which is by Aloe Black. Actually, in the year 2018, I incorrectly listed 2019. Yeah, because he like re-released this album in 2019 mm-hmm. with an extra track. Oh, that makes sense. Um, so there is Christmas Funk. It's called Christmas Funk. There's a Christmas Funk and then a Christmas Funk 2019. I believe there's only one track difference. That's, I mean, just looking at the track listing, that's the only difference. Yeah, and I like I listened to see if it was remastering or anything. It seems to be pretty much the same. Yeah, so Aloe Black is his stage name. His uh, birth name is Egbert Nathaniel Dawkins the Third, which is quite a name. That's a hell of a fucking name. And he's an American musician, singer, songwriter, rapper, record producer, and philanthropist. Um, his most popular original song, like a song where he's not just a feature artist, is the also the theme song to HBO's uh, hit show How to Make It in America. That song is I Need a Dollar. Mm. it's a fucking banger although it's not his number one most popular song but looking at the like number of downloads Mm. also isn't his most number one most popular song but it's more popular than the number one listed one yeah i think spotify must like use uh like recency as a factor as well yeah it must because like there's another one with 200 million 200 not 200 million downloads <laughs> sorry um yeah, which no is worries. like eighth but it's like way more than anything else so i don't know anyway I don't know. so yeah this is a pretty funky version i would say yeah um and this album seems pretty cool too it's a similar sound to this uh so they come in with this like really like high synth actually starts with this church organ yeah, that's right. Um, and then it does like a little thing, just like chord progression, really. And then like gets into the beat, and then like high synth being like, like it's doing. Yeah, it's thing. very sharp. Very sharp. Hitting these sharp staccato notes. I love that we take turns sometimes at trying to make synth noises. You know, it's like, <laughs> like a like a you know, and it's got the like clapping kind of drum like rhythm like it's yeah it really like sets up like a got, like, group clapping. vibe because we get these group hand claps coming in with the drum rhythm and then when the vocals come in it's uh it's multiple people singing yeah it's like so many tracks it sounds like either a choir or like a group it's really got it's like combining kind of like funk with like a carol feeling yeah which is pretty cool yeah, it's it's pretty cool, and he does a good job of uh, sort of switching up the parts between the the two the two vocal tracks there. So there's the sort of lower one that's a little more like it's not as I would say not as proficient a singer. It's right. not like the the pop singing of George Michael, whereas like the, there's the Aloe Black track where he sings and does like the the high notes and stuff, right? Yeah, there's definitely a, a range sense. of voices on this track, and a lot of them aren't necessarily singing on like the note, but that's fine because that's what they're trying to. That's the sound they're trying to get. 
on pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On pitch. That's what so what I like is that uh, the one time I noticed it particularly is on the line Merry Christmas, which he also uses. He's like one of the only cover artists who says Merry Christmas. Right, right. And that that's given to the the sort of more choir and they go, Merry Christmas. And it's just like a nice. And then it switches over to Aloe Black singing the rest of that line. Yeah. A good take on the whisper. That's that's all. I, that's that was my long yeah, way of saying that. Smooth. Yeah, and I, the other thing I mentioned, they weren't always on pitch, but they're also not always on time. Like it's it's very broad. Like it sounds kind of less like perfected and practiced, you know. Mm-hmm. But in, it gives like that same way. vibe we get from the from, the Frank Turner version, right? With the audience singing. Yeah. So it's it's pretty cool, and like. In terms of all the other elements, like just imagine the just the funkiest thing you can do, <laughs> like get a funky yeah. bass, get a funky synth, get get funky stuff. It's funky. It's literally yeah. They, I think they even do the a little album. Glock in there still, just to to give that little Christmas feel. Someone's gotta keep that pulse. Yeah, it's just like a. It was a fun version, and I it made me want to sing along to it, you know, but in yeah. like a group way. It's also the longest version, I think, because it's almost five, yeah. It's five super minutes. fucking long. It's, yeah, just about five minutes. That's our covers, unless you have anything else to say about this one, Alex. Um, no. Good time. All right. So that's been all the covers. We're going to go into our final verdict now. we got three categories today. Best version of this, worst version of this, and version that you could slip onto a non-Christmas playlist without raising suspicion. <laughs> Brackets right. for the longest period of time. For the longest period of time. Because eventually they're going to hear the word Christmas, and then the jig is like, up. Hang on a minute. But if it's in the background, you never know. Yeah, right? Um, okay. So, What's worst version of this, Alex. Hit me with it. Worst version of this. You know, this is, a, this is another week where I, I didn't think any of them were, like, particularly bad, actually. And maybe that's mm-hmm. just because I don't really like Christmas songs that much anyway. Like, it, uh, like my expectations were low, uh, right. but I thought everyone did fine. Um, I would definitely say for worst version, it would be between Carly Rae Jepsen and Gwen Stefani for mm. me. Um, and I think I have to give it to Gwen Stefani because Carly Rae Jepsen, there were elements and it almost worked, but it didn't. Whereas Gwen Stefani just made me want to listen to Bruce Springsteen, which I was going to do anyway. <laughs> it's bound to happen. So it didn't change anything. <laughs> My life is the yeah. same. Yeah. Um, but it was also fine. Like, yeah. But yeah. It was just the. It was the. I agree with you. I'm gonna give Gwen Stefani the the worst version. Mm-hmm. It was just like the least adventurous. Everybody else ventured to do something a little different, even if that was just making it pop. Like, yeah, it's or like trying still... this kind of pop production or something mm-hmm. like that. But none of them sounded like generic to me. But that one. Yeah, that one, like, I could barely, like, you could put it on and it would take me a, a couple minutes to realize what Christmas song was playing. Yeah. Because it would be like, oh, there's so many I could go through, and then it's like, oh, it's Last Christmas by Gwen Stefani. <laughs> of course. I just don't think she played to any of her strengths in it, and uh, I think that shows. Yeah. I'm just kind of, is, although I have yeah. to imagine a lot of these, like, pop Christmas albums, because there are artists who do, like, at least an EP or something. Almost annually, like there's a lot of like Christmas albums. Yeah, there is that exist. So some of them have to be like, all right, paycheck time. Like, yeah, sometimes I guess you just gotta cash in. Yeah. 
Uh, with that, Alex, which is, which of these is the best version? Which is the best version because there were a few I liked too. Um, obviously, I like Frank Turner. That's almost cheating at this point. Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna give best version to Aloe Black because it was a lot of fun and had that group feeling and was a little different from. It had a very different feeling from the other ones, but still had kind of, you know. Christmas stuff. It was a little less melancholy, probably, and a little more focused on the on the upbeat part. Um, yeah, as opposed to the melancholy. But that's kind of like the original, because the melancholy sort of comes from the from the lyrics. Yeah, but you're at. Like, I did a Christmas like party. So I did like Aloe Black's version quite a bit. Yeah, and it almost speaks to that nature of how we how we ingest Christmas songs, right? Because like, we're not really like listening to the to to Last Christmas the same way we're gonna listen to like an actual like single or like a like an album, right? It's putting us in the Christmas mood. I'm in the Christmas mood, and so like Aloe Black takes that puts the that context where we usually listen to Christmas music in a group. So why not have like a group singing it? I and think it that's works. a smart choice. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm torn. I because I liked his version. I obviously like Frank Turner's version, and I right. liked Leo's version as well. Um, I'm yeah. Fuck it. I'm gonna give it to Aloe Black as well. I think that was. I think that's a standout okay. version. I think he did a good job. <laughs> All right. Now the one you could put on without people noticing for the longest period of time. I actually think there's a couple that you could put on for at least a while without people noticing, mm-hmm. and. I think Aloe Black again, like, I think you'd be able to put it on, at least in most crowds, and people wouldn't necessarily notice that it was a Christmas song. However, I think the one that would last the longest without people being able to tell is probably Jimmy mm-hmm. Eat World. Hmm. Because for most of it, it kind of sounds like pop rock, like we were saying. Like, like you get that you might be like, oh, that melody sounds kind of familiar because they do start with it. But at the same time, I feel like it would be easy if it was in the background to just pass by and almost at the end, people would be like, wait a minute. This sounds familiar. Yeah, you might be right because there is like a softness to it as well. So you can easily slip that into the background. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I'm, I think like one Leo you might be able to do just because, right. like, I guess, cause especially like... in a in a regular group, like people who aren't like metalheads, will be like, I can't understand the words he's saying because he's a little bit growly. Last what miss? I don't understand <laughs> what he's saying. So wait, it's it's a total mystery. <laughs> so that one, I think, if you could sneak it, if you could, with Frank Turner, where they'll listen to the guitar at the start, think it's just a regular right. song. And then have it just like have them kind of zone out until he starts screaming it. Last Christmas. Oh, yeah. Last okay. Christmas. <laughs> like that would be a good reveal. Um, like, oh, I, shit. Uh, Honestly, also, uh, I think Taylor Swift has a decent claim to it because it really sounds very like pop country to me. But yeah. she has some like bells and stuff, so it's probably not as. Yeah, much. you know what? Those bells tip you right at the start. Yeah. And I would have said Ariana Grande. Except the very beginning is so Christmassy. I think you'd immediately be like, "Oh shit, what? It's June, dude." Yeah, because it does those those notes. <laughs> the if it didn't have that, I think you could make it a lot longer. 
Yeah. Before yeah. I this Christmas song. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, Leo is the is the the. That's Snoop probably a good answer too. A secular playlist with a uh, with shoutouts to uh, Frank Turner. Yeah. I think part of me consciously avoided picking Frank Turner for any category. Yeah, so really, I didn't want unbiased. I'm I'm just so biased I can't like objectively say whether or not Frank Turner is my favorite. So mm-hmm. I got to. If, if you want to know which one I'm gonna be playing on Christmas, it's I can tell you it's Frank Turner. Yeah, it probably is. And depending on how much I want to make those around me suffer, it might be the whole playlist. Yeah, yeah, it might be. Let's see if I can sneak it in. See how long yeah. it takes so someone to realize that it's all the same song. <laughs> Hang on a second. Wait Didn't a we hear this? No. With that, that's been our final verdict. Um, if you have a same opinion, different opinion, or want to talk about a cover version we didn't talk about us, hit us up on Twitter for some hot discourse. Uh, hashtag cover me pod uh, at Jake the Cressy at some Alex Wise guy. Look us up on the internet. We're there. We're there. We're here. We're there. Be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever you can rate and review podcasts. We're available to subscribe to. Tell your friends about us. Tell your family about us. It's Christmas time. Make them listen to this to fall asleep to. Tell your enemies about us. Yes. Maybe you don't like us. I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, inflict us on your enemies. We we'll, we'll we'll get somewhere. I'll we'll get to it. who we need to get to. I'll take it. Yeah, goddamn. With that, we're gonna jump into our bonus segment, in which I actually did prepare a question and did send it to Alex ahead of time. And I wow. have prepared a like a vague semblance of an answer. <laughs> Alex, you had a fucking week. I didn't write it down. I know what I'm gonna say. I, I know. Oh, okay, I know. Okay. I know what my answer is. I just don't know what I'm gonna say yet. I, I, I vague semblance. Sort of like a what? I'm gonna ask the question. I'm like, oh uh, yeah, I'm a musician. I guess. Yeah, cool. probably like somebody from the '70s. I don't know. <laughs> All right. With What's that, that question, question though? The question is, uh, if you could have like a a Christmas album from any any artist, living or dead, who would it be and why? All right. So here's the thing about Christmas. Christmas is a lot of things um yes it's a religious holiday but it has like very strong secular component to it um mm-hmm. and there's a this really there's a lot of you know consumerism around there that that contrasts with um this original you know religious holiday aspect and there's been a lot of talk about that over the years but the point i'm trying to get to is <clears throat> all of these things would be amazing and amazingly pretentious if Neil Peart wrote about them. I would love for a Christmas album from Rush because it would be amazingly pretentious and I would love it so much. <laughs> oh, that's a good answer. I like that. And that's that's my answer. <laughs> that's very good. I, uh... Um, I can't really top that. Being honest, like if I could get a Christmas album for anybody, it'd be David Bowie, just because I like David Bowie music. It's true. And I think maybe in a similar light, I just like the fact that when he came in specifically to sing "Little Drummer Boy," Bing Crosby, he was like, <laughs> "Oh, I hate this song." <laughs> so I would love a whole album of just Christmas <laughs> songs that Fuck David this. Bowie hates, <laughs> <laughs> and then he sings a different song over top of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean. If you look back, I mean, through the 70s and the 90s in particular, um, there were David Bowie was at several times like, hey, this is an up and coming genre. I like it. Let's do an album of it. And like, so you have Young Americans and you have, I guess, his 
his uh, synthy stuff in the late 70s and like Earthling, which is like drum yep. and bass, like where he's just decided to do some weird other genre. And it's that, but it's also David Bowie. I feel like if he mm-hmm. had at one point just had like a weird notion, I mean, like, I want to do a Christmas album that that like that would have been something to hear for sure. Yeah, I think so. Because he's got some good like songs that he writes on a personal level, like to to his wife and to like his kids and stuff right. at different points in his career. And they're again like these like emotional pieces, these like kind of sappy things, but they're also very much David Bowie. Mm-hmm. So to see that kind of style applied to Christmas would be fucking cool. I couldn't agree with you more. Well, there you have it, folks. We're just so right about everything. We're just pretty goddamn right about things. If you've got an ideal Christmas album artist that you'd like you'd like to 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 wish into existence, hit us up on Twitter with the hashtag Christmas album wish my christmas chris wish album chris wish album that's awful do it though yep that's it chris wish it's really hard to say i hate it you guys know how to do it use that hashtag hit us up on twitter also you can email us at covermepod at gmail.com you can send us questions suggestions we got a suggestion the other week from john which we'll be implementing next week in our uh year-end wrap-up episode that's right people it's coming up we're wrapping um that's that's all we have to say and as we always say on cover me um a a cover on a podcast with a no let me try a different line (laughs) last christmas i gave you cover me the very next day you deleted it off your phone this year to save me from tears well i'll give it to you again again so please i mean you can delete it i guess it doesn't matter just listen doesn't matter but get the download download give us a listen do you even have to listen to it I mean, do no, but... do listen to it. Just get somebody else to listen to it. I don't know. Merry don't know. Christmas, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>